Welcome back to KSCJ Radio, 1360 AM, 94.9 FM in Sioux City, Iowa. I'm Brian Vikulskis, and this is Having Read That, conversations with authors about their books. And I'm joined once again by Mark Greeny, who is the author of the brand new Gray Man novel. This one's called The Chaos Agent. It's the 13th, if you can believe it, in this series, and it's just as strong as ever. It's available everywhere, and of course, uh, the, the Gray Man novel is that kind of off-the-books, black ops sort of guy that kind of works on his own, but Mark, you... Jumping right into this, this follows your usual gray man style of a geopolitical cat and mouse game. And really, when you keep those two things in your in your mind as you're writing and putting these books together, it always starts out with geopolitical, and there's always a cat and mouse. And that's just a, a format that seems to work for this series, right? Yeah, it's funny. The first three gray man books I did were all before I'd worked with Tom Clancy. I, I wrote three books with Tom before he passed away, and then wrote four more Jack Ryan books for his family. And uh, I look at those first three books, and then everything that came after, I started working with Clancy, and it got so much more geopolitical. Um, you, you're definitely in the mud on the ground with the uh, with the hero as he goes through the uh, through his journey. But at the same time, you know, there's, there's bigger international affairs at play and things like that. I, I like big globe-trotting spy novels. I, I grew up on them, and, and that's what I'm just trying to replicate. You know, this one involves artificial intelligence, and without giving too much away, I think that the artificial intelligence sort of crept into the American lexicon really in a simple way. I mean, we, we use Siri on the Apple iPhones. They've got the Amazon Echo devices, and all of a sudden it's just here, and it seems to have exploded. And so as you looked at these geopolitical events and incorporate artificial intelligence into them, I know it's something that actually happens, but is this one of those things that you, you probably never could have predicted as you started Gray Man that he'd be dealing with AI at some point? No, I absolutely could not have. Um, it's funny when you do, when you do this many books, and all my books are standalone. You don't have to read them in order or anything like that. But when you do this number of books in a series, and you're writing uh, in the geopolitical realm, you know there's only so many peer villains that you can come up with. You know you've got your Russia, your China, your North Korea, your Iran, and then you recycle and do them again. So I've always been looking for other things to think outside the box, and I was very interested in all these private companies that are at the forefront of building this really, really powerful artificial intelligence and many of them working with militaries and, um, and then sort of, you know, nation states that are trying to get, uh, get control of this material. It seems like so many of the inventions that we use in our everyday life came originally from a complex. And so as you dug into the history of AI, did you ever pinpoint the point at which somebody decided, hey, this could actually be used for something nefarious versus the, the things we use when we ask Amazon, what's the capital of Mississippi? Well, what they say is war is the ultimate experiment of innovation. So you're, you're absolutely right. And, and really, for this, you know, people try and figure out what the first lethal autonomous weapon or killer robot was, but you go back to landmines and, you know, there's very simple artificial intelligence on a landmine when something of a certain weight rolls over it, then it blows up. And now we have lethal autonomous weapons where they can, you know, they're they're actually uh, take the human out of the loop and they make their own decision on who to kill. Um, They search for, identify, discriminate against targets, and then they can engage without any human input. So we've come a long way, and you know, I, I, I warn people that artificial intelligence is still in its infancy, and if it doesn't seem sophisticated enough for you right now, just buckle up because it's, it's, it's going in, in that direction. When you sit down to write one of your 
gray man books, you have to get yourself in the right headspace to write a particular, maybe not even a scene, but just an idea. Because I would think as a writer, you're just always thinking, and you may come up with an idea for a Christmas story that might be in your head. So how do you get yourself in the right mind space to write geopolitical thrillers? You know, it's, it's just what I like to read, and um, I've always been a news hound, so really I, I get into that space by, I just watch a lot of news, I listen to a lot of podcasts, I'm always doing that. When I was about 16 years old, I had a uh, subscription to The Economist, I've always been interested in that. My dad was um, the head of the NBC affiliate here in Memphis, Tennessee, where I still live, and so I just grew up around the news, and I think that that just kind of keeps me tuned into it. If I'm If I'm thinking of an idea, I'm thinking of something a senator said or something uh, you know, a foreign diplomat uh, is doing or said or a place they've gone to, and I just kind of build up from there. Obviously, my stories get really action-packed and high-octane and over-the-top, so it's not replicating the real world 100%, but I, that's my jumping-off point. I like to start out with what's really going on in the headlines and take it from there. I know so much of Hollywood, the different entertainment venue, is centered around... There's some censorship that goes on with respect to ideas involving foreign countries. There's China money that influences studios, and so sometimes you can't have a Chinese uh, antagonist in a book. Do you ever experience that as you write your your thrillers, that you have to change a country based upon something that some investment in your publisher or anything along those lines? That's never once happened. Um, you're absolutely right about Hollywood, and I know that that is a, a thing, um, especially with China, I think. And uh, I, I'm probably other places as well. I've never had to do that. You know, I always kind of joke that, you know, since I've been involved with Hollywood with my first book being made into a film, you know, you, you would talk to the executives and they'd be like, okay, well, we're going to up the budget on this, so we're going to redo the screenplay to, you know, increase the, increase the budget. And, I, you know, it was always fascinating to me because as, as an author, I could put a character on a moon on the moon in one scene or, you know, underground in the next scene, and I never had to think of things like that. And it's the same thing with geopolitics. I think I was told one time not to use a particular person's name, um, and I, I don't think anybody really thought we were going to get sued for it. I think they just said, you know, it's just easier just to use a, a different name and use that person's likeness. Um, but as far as, you know, countries to steer clear of, I've never had anything like that. Hopefully I never will. Have you ever written about a country that you've never been to? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I like to go to as many places as possible, um, but, you know, uh, I wrote this book, Gunmetal Gray, and I was so excited to go to Vietnam. I, I placed the book there because it's been a lifelong dream to go there, and it turned out I had to have ankle surgery right before I went, so I, I wrote that book from my couch. And this book, um, I went to Guatemala and to Mexico, two of the locations in the book, but I was not able to go to Cuba, unfortunately, which was another location. And, you know, during the COVID years, obviously, none of us got to go anywhere. So, um, but I do, I think I've been to 36 countries researching either my books or the Tom Clancy books. I'm chatting with Mark Greeny about his brand new Gray Man novel. It's called The Chaos Agent. It's available everywhere. And you said you didn't make it to Cuba. And I, I always thought that probably back in the 50s that was a cool place, kind of a Las Vegas of the Caribbean. And so is it... I assume it's difficult to write about a country you've never been to, but is the technology such that you can get on and do the Google Maps and, and see the locations that you're talking about? Do you, do you get a certain sense of the countries that way? Yeah, you absolutely can. Anybody that wants to be a writer does not have to go to every country they write about. Um, it, it helps me with the atmospherics and understanding the people and understanding you know, how the police force 
you know, is, and all these other little things that I don't even know that I need until I, I get there and I see it. But if you can't, you can't. I mean, there's literally, uh, you can go on YouTube and type walking in and then name any city in the world, you know, Mumbai, and you'll, you'll get hours of videos of people just with their GoPro just walking around the city. And um, I get sucked into that rabbit hole when I'm doing research on books. And so, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time uh, looking at Cuba through, you know, just through the Internet and um, reading books and seeing movies that we in and just building it from there. And I think it was even in, was it Guatemala where you were that you kind of came across this whole gray man idea, some character in a bar? Yeah, I was down in Guatemala studying Spanish, and I had just gone to El Salvador, a bordering country, for the weekend just for R&R, and I was sitting alone at a bar, and there was a guy that came into the bar who was American, he was speaking Spanish, but I could identify him as American, and he just seemed different from the other people down there who were Americans, um, he just had a harder edge to him, so I just sat there drinking one beer, and... and kind of came up with this whole backstory that this guy was former CIA, but he was living off-grid in the third world, um, you know, trying to stay away from the people that are after him, and pretty quickly I got the idea that I was going to turn that into a book. When you sit and take notes on folks, I know you come up with a backstory, and that's just the creativity in your mind, but as, as you talk to them, and are, are these shady characters that you meet, I mean, are these people that you really don't want to know as far as to, to let them know what you're doing? Because I would think anybody along those lines that finds out you're a writer, they're going to shy away from you. Yeah, I've, you know, somebody very early in my career told me, who was a journalist, he's like, you will be shocked by how much people want to talk. And, um, and I found that to be true overall. I think people really like telling their story. There have definitely been exceptions to that. I was writing a book about the cartels in, in Mexico, and I was reaching out to people that other people had vetted for me. Like, this guy knows everything that's going on. You know, I reached out to this guy, and he's like, absolutely not. I'm not going to tell you a word about it. And I, but, but, you know, never like criminals, but I've definitely hung out with some shady characters. I was in Belgium, and there was some sort of, gangster guys that, um, you know, were at this bar that we were, that I was talking to, trying to get information from, and um, they were very forthcoming with their information. It was actually pretty easy. Do you find that to be the case even in the, uh, the United States here, CIA people? Are they willing to talk just as much as foreigners? So active, you know, current CIA employees, not so much. Ex-CIA employees, absolutely, they, they, they will talk. Obviously about you know, non-classified things. But um, I'm, I'm a member of this group called AFIO, the Association of Former Intelligence Officers, and I'm, I'm not a former intelligence officer, but they, they let uh, your civilians uh, join the group as well. And so I have a lot of contacts through that, and I've been to a lot of symposiums and things. And so, you know, you're just sitting there at lunch, and the guy next to you was the head of the FBI in San Francisco, you know, a few years ago. And or, you know, CIA or an admiral and, and all that. And so it's amazing the access you can get just by, um, you know, being interested enough to, to go out and get it. How difficult is it, to come up, is it for you to come up with names? Because I would think, I know some authors, some writers have auctions where they'll auction people's name, but when you're coming up with foreign names, that's no easy task. Yeah, I, I have to do that a lot. It's, it's amazing how often I need a new name for something. I just wrote a book that takes place in West Africa. I feel like I've used every name out of Ghana possible and one thing I do which is a, a dumb thing but 
I'll go to the national volleyball team of the country, and I'll, I'll, I'll find names there, because nobody really knows volleyball players. I mean, if you did, like, soccer players or whatever, everybody would recognize, you know, the first name or the last name. Um, so I'll, I'll do a more obscure sport, because every, every country's got a national volleyball team, and, I, and I'll pull names off of that. But you can only do that so much. Uh, I've, I've written, this is my 24th published novel, The Chaos Agent, and so I don't know many, how many hundreds of character names I've had to come up with. Some of your book involves the romantic relationship between uh, the gray man and his love interest, Zoya. And it, it's it's always kind of funny for me to read an adventure story and to have that love aspect, because I would think that that's so far-fetched from what you really write. And so do you ever struggle to put the romantic aspects in a book that that's really not a romance book? Yeah, I do struggle with it. I, I try not to overdo it because it's, <clears throat> I've read stuff before where it's like, all right, let's get back to what's going on. Um, I, for this book and for this series, uh, I, I think a lot about the psychology of this character that I created. And he's you know, a former assassin who is very paranoid for very good reasons. And he's in a relationship with someone who's got a lot of the same types of baggage. And... and He's let his guard down with her, and I, you know, in, at the beginning of this book, there's something happens between the two of them where he is questioning her, and I thought, you know, how quickly would he build those walls back up um, if someone, the one person he trusts, he, he feels like has let them down, and I figured it'd be pretty soon. So I like the psychology of relationships and interpersonal dynamics and all those sorts of things more than just you know pure romance. Uh, I'll, I'll leave that for other people to write. <laughs> What age group is the youngest reader that you've ever heard from that reads your novels? Oh, boy, about 10, wow. 10 or 11 years old. And uh, I didn't tell them to read it. <laughs> I've had parents say, like, you know, my kid's 12. Should they read this book? And I'm like, you know, that's, that's your call. Um, there's nothing in there other than bad language and and violence. But there's, a, there's bad language and violence, so it's your call. Do you see that as a, uh, you know, and, and I'm sure you got readers that, I mean, this, this type of book appeals to all ages, but when you when you hear from older readers, are they, is, is, is the car right in the middle, or are they more older on the spectrum? It's, it's right in the middle. When I go and do my book tours, you know, there'll be a ton of, like, you know, police officers or military people show up, people in their 20s, but then a lot of, you know, older people, senior citizens. I, I get a lot of, like, reader mail from people who say, like, you know, I'm a 78-year-old grandmother and probably your only one, and I feel like, you know, I need to help you guys start a club because there's, I, I get those emails all the time. Um, a guy just the other day was saying his 94-year-old father had just passed away and was a huge fan of my books and asked me if I would name a character after him, which I'm sure I will do. Um, so it, it, it's really uh, heartening to, to see, you know, all the demographics and all the age groups um, enjoying the book. Well, it's another incredibly uh, entertaining story, and it makes you uh, ask yourself a lot of questions about artificial intelligence and where that will take us in the United States here. The book is The, the Chaos Agent. It's the latest gray man novel from Mark Greeny. It's available everywhere. Mark, just another fantastic book, and I thank you for joining me to talk about it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Great to talk to you. This has been Having Read That on KSCJ Radio. I'm Brian Vakalskis. Check out all of our episodes on our website, kscj.com, and subscribe to our iTunes podcasts. Thanks to music historian Molly Jolly and segment producer John Weasler. We will be back next time. Oh, Thompson Gunner.